This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. And we have so much to talk about today, but wait, Wyatt, don't go away. Don't go away. My husband was at the game last night, or yesterday afternoon. Came in, he was so excited. Not because the Brewers lost, he wasn't happy about that, but... Seeing that play with those stolen bases, he said, was just unbelievable. Yeah, I saw it on social media yesterday. It was it. I had to watch it several times just to understand what he did. I when I was uh, back home in San Francisco, I went to an Oakland A's game once and saw Yoenis Cespedes throw out two runners at home in the same inning, and that is still one of the coolest sports things I've ever seen. So I, I, I was similar vibes. Yeah, yeah. He said it. It really, really was exciting. All right, so. Something else that's exciting, and Isaac, I think maybe you want to jump in on this, is the news from Culver's this week. They have new sauces. Now, this is a big deal because, you know, I mean, if you go to a food place and you get a sauce, what what, what do you normally get, Wyatt? Nothing. I eat weird, as I've (laughs) talked about on this radio station before. I am not a big sauce guy. Okay, but now, Isaac, what, barbecue sauce, maybe the honey mustard I much, sometimes Szechuan. Much like Wyatt, I'm not really a sauce guy, but if a place has like a signature sauce, I'm I'm always a sucker for that. You know, we're here at Third Street Market Hall. If I get something that comes with some kind of sauce, if that vendor has a signature sauce, that's what I'm going with. Well, what Culver's has done this week is they introduced a a blend of buttermilk, parmesan, and blue cheese. And I love, first of all, I I love blue cheese and parmesan. Oh my gosh. I I, I just saw that. I mean, I'm so excited. But you actually have tried it, Isaac? I have. I love it. It is fantastic. Can you taste the blue cheese? You can. You can can taste all of it. You can taste the blue cheese. You can taste the parmesan. It's, It's phenomenal. Okay. And then they also have a new boom boom sauce. I've also tasted that. Okay, and tell me about it's what spicy with chili peppers? Yeah, it's it's just a little bit of a kick. It's not too spicy, but it's spicy enough. Okay, and then finally they've got the marinara. I have not tried that, but it's Culver's. It's got to be delicious, oh, right? Well, yeah. Well, and that yeah. sounds like the most uh, straightforward of the sauces. So we had our we had our scouting report on the other two. This is more of a WTMJ Nights drive-through window kind of segment. <laughs> well, all I know is I I may even stop today. And get some of their some of their fries and try it with this buttermilk parmesan and blue cheese sauce. We'll expect uh, the report next Sunday. Yeah, then. yeah. Well, I probably will have to give you one because that that just sounds really, really tasty to me. So anyway, if you have if you've been to Culver's and you like those sauces, I'd love to hear from you. Also, uh, we've got a busy, busy show this morning. Matt Miller's going to be here. He's got more about Summerfest. He's going to talk about the highs and the lows of the last three weekends. And also, now that Summerfest is over, we're going to get details about other festivals in the area, including uh, the 40th anniversary Bastille Days, German Fest, and of course, you know, next, starting this week, we've got got the big Harley 120, is it 120th anniversary. This is going to be a big, big week for celebrations around the city. We're also going to hear about Summer Slide and how it affects students. There are a number of Relay for Life events going on around southeastern Wisconsin. And we'll hear from one of the survivors participating in this week's event. Mark Cass has news about the new state budget and what event is getting their funding cut. We're also going to look back at the Week in Review. Wyatt is in the newsroom. He's going to have more details on the uh, 
car in the water for 30 years. I can't wait to hear about that one. Isaac, of course, is pushing buttons. And in just two minutes, it's sports with Dominic Catronio. Right now, 66 degrees at 811 on WTMJ. A wild day on the diamond in Milwaukee. Game two of the Reds and the Brewers series to close out the first half. This one had a little bit of everything, including a multi-homer game from Willie Adamas. One-two pitch. Line drive, deep left field. That'll do it and then some. A two-run blast for Willie Adamas. 4-1 Milwaukee. Jeff Levering on the call right here on WTMJ. It's the fourth career multi-homer game for Willie but he was overshadowed by the game's most electrifying player, Ellie De La Cruz. If he got a jump, he's going home! The throw! He's going home! The most thrilling man in baseball stole second, third, and home! John Sadak and Jeff Brantley on the call for Bally Sports Ohio as Ellie De La Cruz steals second, third, and home in the span of two pitches en route to the Reds' victory, 8-5. to five. Here's what his manager, David Bell, had to say about it. Elite speed like, like we have, you know, maybe have never seen, but also just how heads-up it was. I mean, it was... You know, we, we actually saw in the dugout, he rounded third on a stolen base. You don't ever really see that. So we knew something was about to happen. From there, it was almost like he was on a mission to, to score. Um, just incredible. Game three in the finale of the first half is today at 110. Our coverage will begin at noon. I've got Brewers warm-up coming up for you. There was another bit of history on Saturday on the Diamond. Out to Detroit. Out to Detroit, where there was a little bit of rain but also no hits in the air. From the belt, the 0-2 pitch, swinging a chopper left side, charging in McKinstry on the first no-hitter. Greg Ganey on the call for the Tigers radio network. It's the ninth no-hitter in franchise history as Matt Manning, Jason Foley, and Alex Lang combine for the no-hitter. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. What an exciting game. If anybody was there, you know, my, like I said before, I was, I was supposed to go. I, we had tickets. And I sent my husband because I said, you know what? I got to get up early in the morning. I'm not feeling real well. So he went to the game and I didn't. Game I should have really gone to. Uh, it is 816 on WTMJ. I'm going to have your forecast uh, in just a minute. Also, Mark Cass is going to be joining us. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. 66 degrees at WTMJ. Well, it's going to be a pretty nice day today. The sun is going to be shining. Not going to feel real humid. Uh, Those temperatures are going to get up to maybe about 84 inland, but a little bit cooler near the lake. Then tonight, clear down to 63. Now, tomorrow it's going to get warm. It'll be sunny, breezy, and a high of 88 degrees. On Tuesday, those clouds start to roll in at times with a chance of some scattered showers and maybe even some thunderstorms, 80 degrees for high. Wednesday, mostly cloudy, not quite as warm. But we do have a chance of showers and thunderstorms throughout the day. A high of 75 degrees. And on Thursday, partly cloudy with a high of 85. And again, a little bit clearer or a little bit cooler, I should say, near the lake. Currently in Port Washington, it's 66. Uh, Richfield has 65. Franklin, you're at 66 degrees. It's 67 at WTMJ at 880. At 819, and it's time to check in with Mark Cass. He is the editor in chief of the Milwaukee Business Journal. 
Well, a lot of eyes were on Madison this week, Mark, as Governor Evers <laughs> approved the state budget, but yep. not necessarily the way some people wanted it to be. Let's talk a little bit about that visit Milwaukee and how much right. did he cut the budget on that one? Yeah, that was an interesting one. There was originally he ended up cutting it by ninety percent, so it went from ten million down to one million. Oh. So that's for the RNC, and the theory was that that would help in terms of the marketing and some of the stuff that, in terms of the brand image and promoting. His theory was that you know you shouldn't be spending as much on that. We should be spending things on other things like childcare and other things through the budget. We did have our staff actually go back and look, and for the 2020 convention, maybe there wasn't any state money given. So I think he was trying to make it kind of apples for apples, even though he did throw him a little bit of money. So I think that's kind of it. And it was interesting because from a quote at the time from Robin Boss, the speaker, he said that we should not be using state money for these kinds of conventions. I think you can argue that point because of what it means to the state, what it means to the region, what it means to the area. But, I mean, at least they got a million dollars out of it, right? So they got to spend it. But nowhere near what the Republicans wanted in that case. Well, hopefully at least the Republicans will be here, unlike the Democrats in 2020. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to actually have a convention this time, wouldn't it? That'd be a good, <laughs> we sure. just don't want the walls around the convention center. We actually want to have a convention. Exactly. All right. Now, looking at the state budget again, there were funds included to push towards that widening of I-94 yeah. near American Family Field. What are they looking at doing and how soon? You know, this is one we've been talking about for a while and it actually would expand it from six to eight lanes from about 16th street out through the stadium out to like 84th street really something that's needed it's been talked about but has a lot of opposition a lot of people the transit people and others some of the neighbors in that area really would not want to see that happen they want to see it kept at six lanes and look at also some transit alternatives so this one now moves through engineering and into other areas moves forward with the money there hopefully gets started in 25 But we'll see. I mean, it could end up in court. That's kind of the next thing. There's been a lot of opposition here. Think about how you need to kind of access through the Marquette, out through the zoo interchange, up through other areas of the state. So it's something that's been talked about a lot and needed. But now, you know, we'll see whether it gets finally to happen. Does it affect a cemetery? Is that part of where that yep. area? Because I would it think does. that would be yeah. the biggest obstacle. That's going to be a big option. You having to move those graves or kind of work around it to not move the graves. So yeah, there's a lot to do. But the fact that he included all this money in the budget for it is another step forward towards the environmental work. But I would say to you now, I think it'll end up in court at some point, just because there is a lot of opposition to it. Well, let's move to the Milwaukee Common Council, Mark, because on Tuesday they're going to take up two separate proposals. One is to implement that two percent city sales tax, yep. and yep. then also. Your favorite. They want to secure yeah, funding the for the hop. Are they both likely to pass? Yeah, I think it's a rule that I have to talk about the streetcar every week. Mm-hmm. I think it's just really important for us to do that. But no, I think the sales tax will pass. I think there's still a lot of opposition. There's a lot of anger with it just because of some of the things that were done in terms of the local control, people that don't really want it. But in the end, the alternatives are not good. I mean, the alternatives are cuts in staffing, cuts in services. So I think in the end, it passes. In terms of the streetcar, there, I think it will also pass. I think the city and the aldermen realize that you have a system now that's nice, yet not efficient. You need a larger system. So now with the state laws and they can't use local funds, they got to be creative. They have to come up with a way to find more money because in a great world, you'd have that thing would extend up to the convention center and up to the arena and then up north into Brewers Hill. would go south through the third ward into Walker's Point. In a dream world, Libby, I mean, it would go out to the stadium, right? You'd be able to hop on downtown up north through the university. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but it needs more. And I think the city is going to realize that. Well, even though Summerfest ended last night, Mark, there's another big party. I think party. people still there, though. <laughs> I, I think, think they're still hanging out down there. Well, you know why? Because they want to be ready for Thursday when Harley yes. Davidson's 120th anniversary wow. kicks off. Isn't uh, there just something every day in Milwaukee during oh, the summer? Isn't it crazy? I love it. But how many visitors are they expecting? They're expecting thousands of visitors, about a $95 million impact. Hotels will be full. All the campgrounds will be full.
people, and it'll be loud. No matter where you live in Milwaukee, it's going to be loud, but yet it's a good loud because it means a lot of money is being spent in Milwaukee. There's going to be major concerts on the lakefront with Green Bay and the Foo Fighters. There's going to be things at the museum. There's just going to be a roar throughout the city as all these people come here, and they're coming from throughout the country and from throughout the world. So this is great for Milwaukee, and I think for those of us who remember the 100th, 110th, 115th, this is just kind of a cool time to hang out here in Milwaukee and see this brand that we're all very well known. And I assume you're going to be getting your T-shirt out, and you'll be out there with the bands. You know, I figure I'll be out there with the bands watching, but I figure I'm going to see you on a Harley, right? Going to be riding down, either riding one or riding with somebody. I got to believe you're going to be in the parade. You're going to be right at the front of the parade. I, I, I may have, I may have to be, Mark. I no doubt about it. <laughs> Finally, let's talk about Milwaukee's northwest side yeah. and that three hundred million dollar yeah. mixed use project. Who's doing it, and what exactly are they planning on developing? This is a cool project because it's something you and I have talked about. And actually, a lot of people talk about is we've had all this great stuff that's happening right in the heart of the city, right downtown. But we need more to happen in the neighborhood. So here you have a large project through a local developer, Oil Capital, spending all this money to do housing whether it's retail, parts, creating housing to live in the city in terms of affordable housing and all types of mixed use, whether it's single family apartments, all up on the northwest side where there's a need for this. There's also a lot of land available. It's near Northridge, and I know we haven't talked about Northridge in a while, which is probably okay, but something happens there. And all of a sudden, things could start happening on the northwest side. That's kind of a side of the town that we haven't talked about a lot of the Northridge, but yet there's a lot of land up there. There's a lot of opportunity there for growth in Milwaukee. And if we ever want to meet the mayors, he wants to grow our city a lot. I see a lot of growth potential out there because it's a good area and has a lot of land available. Well, Mark, I know you took time out of your golf game this morning to join us. How are you doing you know, out there? It, I wouldn't call it a game. I'd call it, <laughs> it's kind of a dredge. It's kind of a hackathon. I'm not really sure what I'd call it, but it's a beautiful day. I'm outside. And it's gorgeous. And I'm with some good people. We're here raising money for charity. I'll take care of that. I don't want to talk about my game because that's not good. Oh, well, maybe you'll get a hole in one before the day's out. There you go. I I think only if I throw the ball in the hole. That's the only way that happens. Well, you know, if nobody's looking, it counts. (laughs) All right, Mark, listen. All right, Libby. It's always great to talk to you. You have a great week. Take care. It's 825. We're up to 68 degrees at WTMJ. We talked about Harley-Davidson. And the big 120th anniversary next weekend. But that's not the only thing you're going to see here in Wisconsin. We'll tell you what it is right after this. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Well, a lot of people are going to be out there at the Harley Festival celebration that starts on Thursday. But I I think, you know, starting Wednesday, people are really going to still be partying a little bit. But you know what else you can see on Wednesday night here in Wisconsin? Isaac, do you have any idea? It's the Northern Lights. The Northern Lights are going to be visible in Wisconsin this week. Now, apparently, you know, this doesn't happen that often, but they're saying that best time to see them if it doesn't rain. And that's, you know, that can always be a problem. It's going to be Wednesday night between about 10 at night and 2 in the morning. Now, the key to this is you got to get away from the city You've got to get away from pollution. You don't want to be around any lights. So, like, if you're in some of the areas, you know, Washington County, Ozaki County, it's kind of hard to do it in Milwaukee County because you get a lot going on there. Even Waukesha County, there's not that many places to look. But if you get out there just a little bit and you look towards the north, you should be able to see the northern lights this week. Which I, I, I think is super cool. I I would definitely, or I'm sorry, it's Thursday night, July 13th, so it is Thursday night. 
So it's Thursday into Friday, and then Friday into Saturday, I guess, is when you can see it. So, I, you know, that's one thing I've never seen. I never have seen the Northern Lights. Have you seen them, Isaac? I saw them one time when I was very young. Uh, I don't remember too much of it. I remember they were really pretty. Well, you were up there. You grew up yeah, a I little was, bit further north in, in yeah, Wisconsin. up in Wausau. Yeah. How, how about you, Wyatt? Have you ever seen the Northern Lights? I have not. I have. Uh, I grew up in San Francisco, further, further south of here, even though it's in Northern California. And the couple times I've been able to see them or had the opportunity to, I it's either been cloudy or I haven't been able to go. There was once I think late last year where we had similar conditions, and then I, I lived in upstate New York, which is pretty close to Canada, where you can see them. But uh, we it's it's so cold most of the year that uh, <laughs> well, see, my son lived in Alaska for a while, and he so he saw them up close, and he said he had never seen anything more spectacular in his life than when he was living in Alaska and would see the Northern Lights, especially during the winter when the snow would be there and it would just sort of glisten off. It was it was phenomenal. So anyway, so keep an eye out. You might be able to see them later on this week in Wisconsin, but you got to get away from the city if you're going to do that. It's coming up here to 8.30 and from the WTMJ Breaking News Center, let's turn it over to Wyatt Barmore-Bully. Welcome back to Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins. A little bit later on this hour, we're going to be talking with Matt Miller. He's going to wrap up Summerfest. What were some of the highlights, some of the lowlights? Also, what's he watching on Netflix these days? Well, we'll find out. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. It's 835, and we had a packed Veterans Park for July 3rd. White powder was discovered in the White House. And 400 years of funding and more. It's the Week in Review, brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go back, 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 back. An abrupt announcement, Experience Fitness saying they're closing all locations in Wisconsin. This here definitely came as a surprise to all of us. No notice at all that, oh, by the way, when you leave here today, don't come back. Eight riders stuck upside down for over three hours. It happened on a roller coaster at the Forest County Festival in Crandon over the weekend. There was a mechanical failure with the ride uh, where it became stuck up in the upright position. Everybody seems to be doing as best as they can given the circumstances. Okay, all the blood's going to my head. Mine too. Veterans Park is crowded today, and people came from all over to make it so. Sister Minnesota, we drove all the way out here, hang out for the weekend. Chicago. Chicago. So we came to watch the fireworks at Veterans Park because we had to be late. You hear the music playing Good Day by Ice Cube? It's a good day. Today was a good day. And it's the one thing we do besides Christmas that we absolutely do every year. A 15-year-old boy, another victim of gun violence following a shooting Monday night in the city. Milwaukee police called just around 11 p.m. to the area near North and Murray. This is an area that sees a lot of people coming through from day to day. The once and future king, the boy king, who has grown to fulfill a destiny of greatness. Look on his works, ye mighty and despair. For he has surpassed the kings of Egypt with 62 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes for his 16th win. I give you the number one ranked eater in the world, Joey Chestnut! 
Cleanup efforts will continue today in Dodge County following a train derailment. We don't know exactly how this happened yet, um, but we're still trying to figure that all out. A powdery substance triggered a partial White House evacuation Sunday, and now we've learned it was identified as a cocaine-like substance. President Biden was not here at the White House at the time the substance was discovered. Very interesting. Governor Evers has signed the two-year state budget, but not before adding some vetoes of his own. They sent the budget back to my desk without making critical investments in key areas that they know and have acknowledged are essential to the success of our state. That decision is an abdication of duty. Wisconsin's governors have a unique power. Unlike other states, they can alter certain pieces of legislation by replacing words or letters as they see fit. And so what he just went in there is scratched out 2023-24 and then scratched out 20 and left the number 24, scratched out the hyphen, 25 to give you 2,425. This funding would increase every year for the next 400 years. Meta, the parent company of Facebook and Instagram, launching threads. Oops, sorry, not that threads. Users already signing on in droves. Meta co-founder Mark Zuckerberg posting 10 million in the first seven hours. Twitter has sent a cease and desist letter to Meta over threads. I think Elon is definitely, if he's not nervous, he probably should be. Well, I did say people were going to die. There's a bunch of announcements today. Wisconsin's morning news is going to be moving an hour later. So Wisconsin's morning news is going to be starting at 6 a.m. instead of 5 a.m. starting Tuesday, July 11th. Steve Scafidi and our own Sandy Max will be partnering up moving forward for a new show called WTMJ Now. And our very own Greg Matzik is going to be stepping up into the co-host role of Wisconsin's afternoon news. What a week. If you're an old man like me, say Glizzy, throw him on the grill. Ladies and gentlemen, The weekend. And The weekend Review is sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. We have uh, 68 degrees at 839 on WTMJ. Coming up in just a couple minutes, um, you know, all the things going on in the summer, one of the most important and significant things that go on is the Relay for Life. We're going to talk about it right after this. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. It's going to be mostly sunny today. We're going to get up to about 84 degrees, a little bit cooler near the lake. Then clear tonight, down to 63. Looks like we've got sunshine tomorrow and really warming up to 88 degrees. Tuesday and Wednesday, that's when we've got another chance of some thunderstorms. It'll cool down a little bit, 80 for a high on Tuesday and 75 on Wednesday. Currently in Cedarburg, we have 67 degrees. Oak Creek's at 68. Brookfield is 67. And it's 68 degrees at WTMJ at 842. There are many Relay for Life's taking place throughout this summer in southeastern Wisconsin. And one of the participants is Wendy Lungeon. She survived stage 3 colorectal cancer. And Wendy, let's talk about your story first of all. How were you diagnosed and was it a complete shock to you? Yes, it was a complete shock. I went in for the routine colonoscopy that they recommend and I found out I had colon cancer. Shock to everyone. Shock to the doctors. They didn't think it was stage three until after they did the biopsy, and that was the second shock. Stage three, it was pretty far <laughs> along at that point. What was the treatment, and how did you respond to that? Well, 
I had surgery, and they removed a portion of my colon and, and tissue all around it, including lymph nodes, and that's when they determined that it was stage three and in the lymph nodes, and then I needed chemo. Fortunately, when I got to the oncologist, they said, yeah, the protocol has been changing, and you're only going to need three months. How long ago were you diagnosed, and did you have the surgery? It was just five years. Five years cancer-free. I mean, that is kind of that marker you look for, isn't it? Yes. I had an appointment in February that gave me the all-clear five years. We don't need to see you again which was just wonderful, a huge goal of mine. Oh, well, congratulations on that. But the good news is you are sharing your story and not only participating in the Relay for Life in Hartford Slinger, but all over the state. As a survivor, what's the message you're trying to get out to people? That there's hope through all the research that they're doing and the treatments that they're coming up with. There's hope. You can survive this. You can beat this. So thanks to, you know, the American Cancer Society and Cole's Healthy Families grants and other donations, and that's what the Relay for Life is to raise money for all of this, there is hope and people are beating it and we're living long, healthy lives. And I guess my other message to people is you can't just stop once the treatments are over. That's really just the beginning of changing your life so that you don't have to deal with that again. And the Wendy, heart- thank you so much for talking with us today and sharing your story. I think you inspired a lot of people. Thank you. And the Hartford Slinger Relay for Life takes place Friday night. If you want to find out where the next Relay for Life is, just go and Google it. And you'll find it. It'll pop right up there. Okay, it is 845, and we are just a minute away from Dominic Catronio in sports. Wow, was it a great game yesterday at Ampham Field? He's got all the highlights right after this. Despite the Brewers falling by an 8-5 score on Saturday to the Reds and watching Ellie De La Cruz run all over the diamond, there was some good news. Abner Uribe making his Major League debut, one of the top relief prospects in the Brewers organization, couldn't contain his excitement pregame. To be honest, I wasn't the call I was expecting right now. But just very happy, very thankful for everything. Uh, just just very, very happy. And then I got to call my, my mom and dad, and they were obviously as happy as me, and we just just enjoyed it all night. I was just happy to get this opportunity after all the hard work we put in uh, to be able to be here. Just, I don't know, lost for words. I'm just very, very happy. Translated through team coach Carlos Brizuela. Once in the game, he pitched two innings and also recorded two strikeouts. Manager Craig Council. I, I thought Abner did great. I mean, if he, if, you know, just... If he throws strikes, he's going to have success. He threw a lot of quality pitches today. Good outing, getting two innings there, big for the rest of the guys. So it was a good debut. The, the run that scored was a little unfortunate, but he did a nice job. As for the Ellie De La Cruz part, listen to the most exciting man in baseball. If he got a jump, he's going home! John Sadak on the call on Bally Sports Ohio. Ellie De La Cruz is only the second player in the last 62 years to steal all three bases in the span of a single at-bat. Game three of the series in the finale of the first half is today at 110. Our coverage will begin at noon. 
And finally, the third round of the U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach in beautiful Monterey, California, featured a 66-6 under par from Nasahata Oka to take the lead at 7 under for the tournament. Coverage begins at 2 o'clock today on NBC. The USGA brings the U.S. Women's Open to Wisconsin in 2025 at Aaron Hills. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. And I'm Libby Collins, and coming up in just two minutes, we've got Matt Miller with all your entertainment news. He's going to wrap up Summerfest for us right after this. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. It's going to be a pretty nice day today. We're going to get up to about 84 degrees, cooler near the lake. Right now, 68 at WTMJ at 851. We have Matt Miller from OnBillWalkie.com. He, of course, is the media critic and pop culture editor there. And I think you're probably just breathing a sigh of relief right now, Matt, because those three weekends took a lot out of you at Summerfest, didn't they? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's better than it was back in the days when it was the 11 straight days. Uh, Yeah, you had about... 10 hours of sleep across an entire week. Uh, but yeah, it definitely, uh, you can probably hear it in my voice. Yeah, it's definitely taken a little out of me. <laughs> Do you think it takes momentum out of, now that we've done this a few years, where it's, I don't know, do people get as excited about Summerfest now as they did when it was that 11-day stretch? I mean, judging by the crowd last night at the final day, I would say that it definitely still maintains momentum I do think it is a little bit harder to maintain excitement for an event across essentially three weeks because this is essentially a three-week festival now. And, you know, after a while, it is kind of hard to maintain that momentum, to maintain people caring on the same level uh, by weekend three. You know, I think it can be easy to, like, kind of tune things out after two weeks, three weeks. but. I, I think Summerfest does a really good job, and the fact that, you know, obviously there's new bands every weekend, each kind of, you know, it, 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 I mean, this past weekend you had really hip bands like Japanese Breakfast, you had Imagine Dragons, you, you, I mean, there was a bunch of really great acts uh, this third weekend still, so as long as they still bring in an awesome lineup, I don't think anyone will care that it's three weekends. <laughs> as as you look back over all the bands you saw, heard, heard about, what do you think the high points were of these last three weekends? Uh, if you're Summerfest, I think the, the show out for Noah Khan has to be up there. Uh, ground stage performer that opening weekend really, really brought a huge crowd to the U.S. Cellular stage. I also think if you're Summerfest, you have to be really proud about how you handled the amphitheater uh, on the first night of this final weekend with Jimmy Buffett having to cancel, then AJR having to cancel, and they pivoted really nicely to Young Gravy, who managed to fill the entire lower bowl at the least uh, for a show that was announced less than a week before, uh, before he took the stage, so I thought that was impressive. And I think they also should be really impressed with how the Soundwave stage turned out, the kind of electronic dance music stage that was the former Johnson Controls World Sound stage. Every night I was down there, that crowd, that that that, that stage had a crowd. Uh, I think they've really found something there, uh, kind of turning that that stage into something that I think is going to be a, a feature that especially young Summerfest goers really use a lot. Yeah, well, you, I know you were really high on the whole EDM thing, the electronic dance music. Do you actually dance, Matt? 
Uh, I do. I, I, no one wants to see me dance. No one wants to, no one needs that horror in their life. Uh, so I, I just do a, a nice kind of, you know, if you've seen the movie Hitch with Will Smith and Kevin James, I keep it in my home. You know, I, I, I keep it, I keep it a nice little shuffle, shuffle shimmy. Uh, nothing too much more than that. <laughs> All right. Well, I know you're a really positive person, but what were the low points for you? As far as Summerfest was concerned, or were there any? Yeah, genuinely, I don't think uh, I had any musical low points. I, I think Coy LeRae was slightly disappointing because uh, she played only a 30-minute set as a headliner, which is, is pretty short. I know at some festivals that is, you know, the standard length for a set, but at Summerfest, that's definitely not the case. I thought that set was, was probably too short. Um, why, do yeah, you think, why do you think it was that short? Uh, well, she's a pretty new artist, so I don't know if she has the material quite yet to fill out kind of an hour-long set. Um, and I, I know there was a lot of weird timing stuff that night, because I believe that was the night of the storm. Uh, the, 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 or I believe there was a little bit of a rain shower that day that kind of pushed everything back a little bit. So I don't know if the timing got messed up that mm-hmm. night, too. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think she was a really good performer. If that was the worst show I saw at Summerfest, then that was a really a good Summerfest then. Uh, yeah, there were no, I didn't really, I mean, I even saw Smash Mouth, and I would say that even Smash Mouth was fun. Uh, I mean, you can take or leave Smash Mouth, but I think you got the best possible version of that band if you were going to see them in the year 2023. All right, now... Now that it's over, of course, we've got the Harley Davidson event going on this week, some big bands in town for that. But, um, you know, is there anything if you don't feel like going to see a band, if you don't feel like going to some of these festivals that are going to be going on for the next couple of couple of months and you're more of a homebody, is there anything worthwhile watching on Netflix these days? I enjoyed the American Gladiators docu-series on Netflix. I thought that was very, that was perfect decompressing from Summerfest viewing for me. What what Uh, was that about? Yeah, it's the rise and do you remember the old, uh, I believe it was on NBC, American Gladiators. (gasps) Oh, the TV show. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, kind of like Ninja Warrior before Ninja Warrior, uh, but in a lot kitschier as well. Uh, I, I thought that was fun, kind of tracking the rise and fall of that very, very goofy TV show. Uh, I am in, I was entertained by that. I've also uh, been really catching up with The Bear on Hulu right now, which is the, the cooking show, the Chicago beef restaurant show. Uh, I, I think that show's terrific. Why Everything do you, you like heard, that so much? I've heard good things about it, but what, what's the hook? It's really incredibly well made. It's got such an energy to it. Uh, the characters are really fascinating. But it, it is a show that kind of drops you into this world of the high-pressure world of running a struggling restaurant. And it, it really brings you into that world really well. It is a, I can only watch like an episode or two a night because it is so intense. It reminds me a lot of like Uncut Gems the Adam Sandler movie from a few years back where it's just like, this movie is the most intense movie I've ever seen. And it's just about a guy screwing up his life. It's not an action movie or a horror movie. It's just a guy making some poor life decisions over and over again. Is, is this like an hour long show? No, that might be the best part. It's only half hour long episodes. You get that these- disturbed just watching a half hour show? But they get their money's worth. You get, you get an you get an hour long show in in about twenty six minutes. It's really great. 
I mean, if we learn from Ted Lasso, you know, just because a show is good doesn't mean that I need to watch, you know, an hour and six minute long episodes. There's something to be said about playing within the guidelines of TV. <laughs> well, I, OK, so so that's one to watch. And is there anything you're looking forward to as far as the movies or has this been kind of a disappointing summer for you so far? I think the summer's actually been pretty good. The new Spider-Man movie was quite solid. I thought the new Guardians of the Galaxy was really good as well. And I'm at, this month is probably the most exciting month of the summer season. You've got Mission Impossible 7 coming out this summer, uh, this week. Uh, the reviews of that sounds like it's another incredible spectacle from Tom Cruise. And then the week after that, we have possibly the most exciting weekend of the entire movie season, uh, movie year, uh, with both Barbie and Oppenheimer coming out too. Obviously, very similar movies. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed you didn't mention Indiana Jones. All right, we'll leave it, it at that, it Matt. Me. Yeah, it didn't, it <laughs> didn't do it for me, unfortunately. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll just let it lie there, then. All right, Matt Miller, always great to hear from you. And, of course, you can follow all of his columns at onmilwaukee.com. Always great to have you here, Matt. Thanks for having me. It is 8.59, and coming up after the news, we've got Wyatt here. But I, I want to hear more about this story about the 30-year-old car that was found in the river. We'll talk about that. It's all I had on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. A little bit later on this hour, we're going to hear about some things going on around the area this week, including German Fest and also Bastille Days. And if you got some problems with your kids and you're concerned that they're not, you know, sticking with the with the academics through the summer, we're going to talk about the uh, well. Summer slide. It's something that happens with most students, and you'll hear about that. Right now, though, we've got Wyatt Barmore Pooley here. And Wyatt, I'm, I'm just fascinated with this story about the car that was reported stolen almost 30 years ago. And how did, I, I mean, okay, so how high up on a hill was this guy? So uh, I'm not sure exactly it, 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 how high it was. It ended up 12 feet deep in the water. So it must have. And I think, was this a retention pond, or is it actually? This is the Rock River. This is actually the this river is in okay. the river that because the the gentleman who was fishing, Stephen Ponio, was in. He was looking for walleye, he, and he he found it on his depth finder. Reported it to the sheriff's office. The, uh, the commander of the dive team, that sergeant we heard from, Kevin Scatrod, says that uh, they couldn't see because of the algae. The dive team went down and basically felt with their hands, and and <laughs> until they were able to be like, "Well, that sure is a car." And they pulled it out of the water. Uh, the, my favorite part of it Did is... Did it fall apart when it came out of the no, water? No. It, it, well, so it's it's not in great shape. It was No, a little, I wouldn't think so. It was a little squished on the top. I Oof. can't tell if that is from the uh, years of sitting in the river or when they yanked it out with the chain. But it did go into the river with its license plates on it because they think it rolled down the hill and... Uh, after not being in park. So they were able to find the owners 30 years later still in How did the guy know Wisconsin. it wasn't in park? Uh, they do, no, they don't know it. That's oh, what they okay. think. They think okay. because obviously it didn't. It appeared not to have been stolen. It seems like is that it 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 went in the river intact. They found stuff in there that apparently the owners were able to describe that was still there. It was part of how they identified it, and so that that's what they think. 
Did they say what kind of car it was? No, I I was looking at it. That we had the uh, the the make and model. The other cars that have been pulled out of the river. None of the reporting on this has the make and model. What were uh, the other cars that were pulled out? That was a uh, it was a Chevy El Camino and a Ford Tempo. The, the that they said it, uh, in 2017 they found a 77 Chevy and a 98 Ford Tempo. Did, were those stolen or were I, they just? I don't have any more we details don't know on how those they cars. got in the river. I, I yeah. I think <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a lot of cars are in the Rock River. Yeah, and and luckily it seems like this one didn't go in with any people in it. It, well, it became it became a home for some fish over the years. Here's what I'm wondering. So this was August 1993. The guy reported it missing to the police. Police report was made. They never they never got it back. So I'm sure there was some sort of an insurance. I was also thinking about that, about whether he has to pay that back now. Exactly. Exactly. Because I'm sure that, you know, whatever the big insurance company would be, I mean, well, and that's why I was curious what kind of car it was. If it were a newer model in 1993, a Might have been new then. Certainly not new now. Maybe $15,000, $18,000 car. And, uh, yeah, if he got full reimbursement for that vehicle 30 years ago. I think... The, what might help Does him out he is get it back? there's no, I don't think there's any way to prove it wasn't stolen. The The sheriff's office thinks it rolled down the hill, but I don't know if they're ever this they're is going their to be able to. detective work. Yeah, well, but I, I'm curious. I would imagine the catfish ate the evidence. <laughs> well, I mean, the guy still suffered a loss. Yes. And so it, I guess he, I guess he would have to, um, yeah, okay. So he suffered a loss. So I guess the fact that the insurance company would have paid a settlement, but I would think that there's more to this that it just, I mean, if if the car were not in park, and maybe somebody who knows more about automobiles than I do could, could answer this, 30 years after the fact, after it's been underwater, would they still be able to see what gear that car was in? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I just assumed it would be in neutral, but all, I, it probably wasn't, it was a stick shift, I would have to imagine. What, uh, why why do you know. think it was a stick shift? Because it was 30 years ago? How long? Oh, Maybe I'm on. young. They, they, listen, 30 years ago, there were cars that weren't stick shifts. I mean, it depends what kind of car it was. But you can still get a stick shift today. But in the 90s, most cars were automatic. Gotcha. I couldn't remember exactly when the switch happened. I do have one more fun fact for you. <laughs> well, is it was a the, long uh, time before that, I want to say. Uh, the fisherman uh, said, uh, eventually his last thing he said to our news partners at Channel 3000 was that he got a 30-pound flathead catfish after finding the car. He thinks it was good karma. Ah, good karma. Get it. All right. Took me a minute there. All right. That's uh, that's, that's all I got for you. I, I'm going to be thinking about this all day, though. I, apparently, a 30-pound catfish. What would you do with a 30-pound catfish? Throw a party? Well, I'm going to leave you on this one. It's... Find out what kind of car that was. I'd love to know the make and model. If I if I could figure it out, I will let you know. <laughs> it is nine thirteen on WTFJ. As uh, Wyatt just told you, sixty eight degrees, and uh, oh well, we're going to hear about some festivals. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. A wild day on the diamond in Milwaukee. Game two of the Reds and the Brewers series to close out the first half. This one had a little bit of everything including a multi-homer game from Willie Adamas. 1-2 pitch. Line drive, deep left field. That'll do it and then some. A two-run blast for Willie Adamas. 
4-1 Milwaukee. Jeff Levering on the call right here on WTMJ. It's the fourth career multi-homer game for Willie, but he was overshadowed by the game's most electrifying player, Ellie De La Cruz. If he got a jump, he's going! John Sadak and Jeff Brantley on the call for Bally Sports Ohio as Ellie De La Cruz steals second, third, and home in the span of two pitches en route to the Reds' victory, 8-5. to five. Here's what his manager, David Bell, had to say about it. Elite speed like, like we have, you know, maybe have never seen, but also just how heads-up it was. I mean, it was... And we, we actually saw in the dugout, he rounded third on a st- stolen base. You don't ever really see that. So we knew something was about to happen. From there, it was almost like he was on a mission to, to score. Um, just incredible. Game three in the finale of the first half is today at 110. Our coverage will begin at noon. I've got Brewers warm-up coming up for you. There was another bit of history on Saturday on the Diamond. Out to Detroit. Out to Detroit, where there was a little bit of rain but also no hits in the air. From the belt, the 0-2 pitch, swinging a chopper left side, charging in McKinstry, on to first, no hitter! Greg Ganey on the call for the Tigers radio network. It's the ninth no hitter in franchise history as Matt Manning, Jason Foley, and Alex Lang combine for the no hitter. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. It's 917. We're going to get up to about 84 degrees right now, 69 at WTMJ. Mostly sunny today. We're going to get up to about 84 degrees if you're closer to the lake, a little bit cooler than that. Then tonight, mostly clear, uh, down to about 63. Tomorrow, we're going to get a little bit warmer, um, probably close to 90, if you can believe that. Yeah, it's going to get a little bit warm. But then as we're looking into um, the rest of the week towards uh, Tuesday, that's where the clouds start to roll in. We've got a chance of some scattered showers and thunderstorms in a high only of 80 degrees. And Wednesday, mostly cloudy, not quite as warm, 75 for a high. Thursday looks partly cloudy, getting warm again around 85 and 80 near the lake. Currently, those temperatures waking up around Wisconsin on this Sunday morning in Sheboygan, we have 69 degrees. Wauwatosa is at uh, 70. Delafield has 70. We have 70 degrees at double. WTMJ at 921. The following is a paid presentation. Advice and opinions expressed during the Sunday sip are solely that of the hosts or guests and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC. Welcome to the Sunday sip. I am Sandy Max welcoming into the studio German Fest Vice President of Marketing Deb Wolf, because German Fest, the 41st German Fest, is coming back to the lakefront Friday, July 28th, Saturday, July 29th, and Sunday, July 30th, to celebrate all things German. We are, and we're so excited to be back again. <laughs> Second year after COVID, so we're, we're still going strong. I was there last year, and it was such a joy. The entertainment, everything from the Dachshund Derby to live <laughs> music, and of course, the food and the drinks. So we're going to get your preview of what's 
coming up this year. What are the hours and the ticket prices? So on Friday, we're open 3 p.m. to midnight, which is also Military Appreciation Day, which started many years ago. We're all about tradition at German Fest. It's Saturday noon to midnight and Sunday noon to 7 p.m. Ticket prices for Friday are $5, $15 in advance and online, $18 at the gate, and $7 for senior and student. And then, again, free admission for active military, veterans, and a companion with proper ID all weekend long. That is a wonderful benefit and a wonderful way to say thank you to those who are serving and have served and their family members. Yes, and we do a great tribute to the military at our opening ceremony on Friday. And where there will also be an official keg tapping. Yes, and where you have to, everybody yells, Otsaptes, (laughs) when you tap the keg. So when the beer goes squirting out of the keg. That's a wonderful way to christen German Fest yes. return. And I tend to get christened as well when I <laughs> when that happens. So. Then you're doing it right. <laughs> yes, exactly. But German heritage is so important in the city of Milwaukee and in the state of Wisconsin. So to have this great convergence of fun and music and food and drinks and culture, there's an entire cultural pavilion. There is. And this year we're actually, um, our theme is cities built by the Romans. So it's interesting um, to see how far the Romans came up, what cities were actually started by the Romans, cities that you wouldn't even think of. Trier is actually one of the most famous cities that was started by the Romans. And I think there's 11 cities in Austria. And it's just really, it's going to be a very cool and interesting to see because I think people may be surprised. What a wonderful way to learn. And you can trace your ancestry in the cultural pavilion. You can. And there's a passport program. So the, you get these little passport books and kids can get it stamped as they walk through. And it's it's fun. It's And there's different cultural books. And then you can learn about all the different German clubs that um, have made Milwaukee. And like any great outdoor festival, the live music yes. really makes it. So you can get your oompa on with some traditional <laughs> German music. Yes. And I'm so excited that you are bringing back one of the biggest and best bands from Austria this year. I we missed are. them last year, yes. so I'm so excited. Who are they? It, they are a band called the Scherzenjäger, and they've been around for 40 years. Elf Sr. is still one of the original of the band. His son, Elf Jr., is the drummer. They started with a new front man last year, Ophi, who fits in fantastically. <laughs> and what is great about it is most of the German music that you hear from all the bands across the U.S. and elsewhere are all playing their original music. So it's all music and songs that people will find familiar and know. Shirts and Jaeger, they are just going to have such an energy on stage. They've sold 10 million albums. They are really a sensation and kind of started this genre of Alpen rock. Correct. And you're going to also hear a lot of those traditional German instruments as part of this big rock band. Yes, pretty much. But mostly with the other smaller bands, you'll hear a lot more of the traditional stuff. They kind of focus more on the Alpen rock and they're kind of now finding their new niche, I guess, but they'll definitely play a lot of their traditional older music. You'll find their flavor of music there, and you'll find a lot of flavors from Germany. Yes. We know... Helmut Strudel is going to be there. Yes. I love the sweets. <laughs> yes. We know there are going to be pretzels there. What else will there be? There will be the Rollbraten. There's going to be goulash, the Konditerei, which is all the traditional bakery and, and, and that. We have a special spot on the grounds for that. Schnitzel, of course. Can't come to German Fest and not have schnitzel, right? <laughs> <laughs> and can I find a golden pretzel? What's this about? You can. So this year is the 10th anniversary of Milwaukee pretzel being our official pretzel. So we are we will be hiding 
three golden pretzels on the grounds, one each day. And if you find it, you will win free pretzels for a year from Milwaukee Pretzel. How fun. And you got to raise a glass or a mug or a stein when you're at German Fest. You have a special kind of beer this year. We do. Um, we have what's called Stichfass, and it's actually beer that's infused with different flavors. Mm. Um, for example, we have a River West Stein with Jaeger cold brew, which is soaked in American oak chips, Eastside Dark with Kleiner Feigling, soaked in American oak chips, a Bierzeit Kolsch with Schwarzwälder Edelkirsch, soaked with American oak chips and they are at different times and locations throughout the grounds and you can find that on our website at www.germanfest.com wonderful and what about wine oh wine of course Mm. that's my favorite (laughs) there will be wine tasting near the generac stage and you can taste different wines from our sponsor wine bauer and he's been there at least 20 plus years with us. Again, tradition. Tradition. All about tradition. Lots of family fun. You can sample three wines for $7. He'll have cocktails and spritzers for 10 There's going to be shots of different imported liqueurs that he'll have also. And he has different times and those will be listed on a sign right outside the Generac VIP area. And one more thing I want to mention is the very cool International Extreme Sports Competition Series, the Steel Timber Sports. Yes. It will be at the BMO Harris Pavilion and even will be televised later. It will. And we are so excited to have Steel back. We've had them um, before COVID. Huge, huge draw for us. People love it. And they will have Friday on July 28th, the U.S. Women's Championship from 5 to 8 p.m., And on Saturday, the 29th, the U.S. Men's Championship semifinals, and there's different pools. Pool A is 12 to 2, Pool B is 2.30 to 4.30, and Pool C is 5 to 8 p.m. on Saturday. And then Sunday, July 30th, we'll have the U.S. Men's Championship finals from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. And then, again, it's all broadcast at a later date. (laughs) So I'm Sandy Max. You have been listening to The Sunday Sip with German Fest Vice President of Marketing Deb Wolf. Plan your visit for Friday, July 28th, Saturday, July 29th, and Sunday, July 30th for German Fest at the Henry Meyer Festival Grounds. Thank you so much. You're welcome and thank you for having me. Prost. It's 928 and 70 degrees at WTMJ. Welcome back to the final half hour of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins, and still ahead this half hour, we're going to hear about another festival that's taking place this weekend, or not this weekend, this week, uh, around town. And also we've got a um, little bit of a preview of what we're talking about on Conversations today. And if you're if you if you're a bike rider, you're going to want to hear this. Right now, though, um, summer, of course, means fun for kids, but it also means... Their attention isn't necessarily on math and reading skills. And joining us is Linda Kohler from Sharp Literacy. Here we are in the middle of summer, and we're noticing, well, maybe the kids are not reading the books and doing those math problems like they usually should. Joining us is Linda Kohler from Sharp Literacy. And Linda, you are serving a record number of students this summer. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. And I think a question a lot of people have is, what exactly is Summer Slide? This is our eighth year of the summer learning program, and we do have a record number of students. We, we will be serving over 1,200 students in K-4 through 8th grade. 
total of 30 different schools and community learning centers throughout Milwaukee and Waukesha County. And this really started because of, of the summer slide. I think a, a lot of people have heard of it, but they really don't know what that means. It's defined as the tendency for students, especially those from low-income families, to lose about 20% of the achievement gains that they made during the previous year. So it's just really, really important that, that kids keep their, their minds and their bodies moving and engaged over the summer months. The regression from COVID and summer slide is just really, really important. So we're, we're thrilled that we're able to to increase the number of students and the number of sites that we're serving this year from last year. How do you motivate the kids, especially in summer? Well, our, pro- our program is, you know, we, we adapt our, our school year program for the summer. It, it's actually anywhere from a six to eight week program twice a week. And our program is very hands-on, very exciting and fun. The different programs that we offer are uh, Summer Journeys, which is based on our, our newest We Love to Learn book. And then STEAM Dream Team, we have um, called On Deck for K-5 through second grade students. And we have a STEAM Dream Team at BAT for second to fifth grade students. And then we also have Aloha, Wisconsin. And then we have a Garden and Greenhouse at Silver Spring Neighborhood Center, as well as a Code the Hone. So very, you know, hands-on programs that, that kids can really wrap their arms around. And, and it's fun. We know that. So we just really keep them active and engaged and just being able to, to use their creativity. And we're doing all kinds of really great community art projects. We integrate the arts into all of all of the subjects. And the STEAM Dream Team, that's all about baseball. So they're doing some really, really fun things. And they actually even get to go to a, a, a game at uh, American Family Field, thanks to the, the wonderful Birth Community Foundation and Cecilia Gore. So it's all about keeping them engaged and, and hands-on experiential learning. That's what it's all about. Linda, do you get feedback from teachers in the schools? Do they tell you there is a difference between the students who participated in Sharp's literacy program during the summer and the ones who didn't? Yeah, I mean, there's no real hard data on it, but definitely, hopefully, the students that have participated in, in our program and other, you know, summer programs, they're not going to see that much of a decrease in their learning. 20% is a lot. So it really does help the, the teachers when, we, when they start again, either in August or September, that they're not so far behind, which makes it, I don't want to say easier on the teachers, but in a sense, easier. You're, you're starting where they should be starting. They're starting fifth grade. That's where they want to start them. They don't want to go back to where they left off at the end of fourth grade. So yeah, we do hear from the educators that they definitely see a difference from the kids that go to some type of a summer program, whether it be SHARP or another, versus the students that, that don't. Do you get much parental involvement in the programs that you offer through SHARP, especially in the summer? You know, we, we try. It's, it's, it's difficult. But what we, we hope is that when they go home, we're working on a, a community art project with Sally Dubak that's very hands-on. It's going to be a mosaic mural. That's going to be one that will be at Silver Spring Neighborhood Center as well as Craig Montessori. So we hope that they go home and the parents will say, well, what did you do today? Oh, we did this really cool art project or we went to the Milwaukee Brewers game. We sharp did this. And it's hard to say, but it's, it's, a, it's a struggle to, to get you know, parental engagement. So we're just hoping that we get the kids so excited. And when they get home, they'll tell their parents, we, did sharp, we had sharp today. And I was over the academic year, I was in one of one of the classrooms and I said, wow, your attendance is great today. And they said, yes, because it's sharp day, which is very encouraging for, for me and, and our team that, wow, 
people, the kids know if there's sharp day on Tuesday, they're going to be there. You know, little things like that. We keep this going. You have a lot of fundraising events throughout the year. But if anybody wants to find out more about sharp literacy and help support the work you're doing in the community, how can they do it, Linda? The easiest way is to go on our website, sharpliteracy.org. And there's all kinds you can donate, you can volunteer, you can donate supplies. Because we are an integrated arts program, we go through lots of supplies and can get kind of costly. And we provide a program, both the summer program and the academic year program at no cost to the schools and sites, so, which is incredible. And we have great donors that help us with that, especially in the summer program, the Brewers Community Foundation, Celia Gore. They've just been unbelievable. And so we, couldn't, we wouldn't be able to do it without donations. Linda, it's a wonderful program. Sharp Literacy, Linda Kohler, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's 942. We're up to 71 degrees. We're going to get all the way up to 84 today. Uh, Coming up in just a minute, if you like to ride bikes around the city, you're going to want to hear our conversation today. That's all I had on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. It's 945. We're going to get to sports in just a moment. But if you're a cyclist, you're familiar with Wheel and Sprocket. And they're celebrating their 50th anniversary this year. Noel Cagle talks, talked to me about a solo bicycle trip he took from Portugal to China. What was the most memorable part of the trip for you? You know, I could speak a lot about that because there are a lot of memories. So I'd been, you know, in Western China. It had been several days since my last resupply. I was really the middle of nowhere. And this was in October. So it's getting towards the end of the year. Sun goes down maybe around 4 or 5 o'clock. So you don't have a ton of daylight. So this time of year in the desert, it gets very cold at night, very cold. You know, it gets below freezing. And in the day, between like, let's say, 11 and 3 p.m., it's above freezing. So you're sort of out in the elements day after day after day. And I was really looking forward to getting to a town where I could maybe get a shower, find a hotel, get some real food. On my map, I saw that approximately 80 miles away from where I was starting, the highway that I was on was crossing another highway. And I thought, if I could get to that intersection, there's probably something there. And actually, it wasn't 80 miles. It was like 110 miles. So I woke up early when it was still dark that day. I'm packing up my stuff. I'm getting ready to go. I'm excited to get to this, what I thought would be a town. I go and go and go. There was an unexpected mountain pass that was hard. I was running low on water. The sun was setting. Normally, I would pull over and start setting up my camp so that I could be in my tent, in my sleeping bag by sundown because it got cold. I pushed through because I knew there was still more to go. The sun was setting. You know, it's just dipping below the horizon. I come over the rise of a hill and I see one road crossing another road and that's it. It was a fascinating trip, and you can join me this morning at 11 when I talk with Noel about that 10-month journey. And we also talk about his late dad, Chris Cagle's legacy, and how cycle-friendly is southeastern Wisconsin. It's all today on WTMJ Conversations. Coming up, we're a minute away from sports with Dominic Catronio. Despite the Brewers falling by an 8-5 score on Saturday to the Reds and watching Ellie De La Cruz run all over the diamond, there was some good news. Abner Uribe making his Major League debut, one of the top relief prospects in the Brewers organization, couldn't contain his excitement pregame. To be honest, I wasn't the call I was expecting right now. We're just very happy, very thankful for everything. Uh, just just very, very happy. And then I got to call my, my mom and dad, and they're obviously as happy as me, and we just 
just enjoyed it all night. I was just happy to get this opportunity after all the hard work we put in uh, to be able to be here. And just, I don't know, lost for words. I'm just very, very happy. Translated through team coach Carlos Brizuela. Once in the game, he pitched two innings and also recorded two strikeouts. Manager Craig Council. I, I thought Abner did great. I mean, if he, if, you know, just if he throws strikes, he's going to have success. He threw a lot of quality pitches today. Good outing, getting two innings there, big for the rest of the guys. So it was a good debut. The, the run that scored was a little unfortunate, but he did a nice job. As for the Ellie De La Cruz part, listen to the most exciting man in baseball. If he got a jump, he's going! John Sadak on the call on Bally Sports Ohio. Ellie De La Cruz is only the second player in the last 62 years to steal all three bases in the span of a single at-bat. Game three of the series and the finale of the first half is today at 1.10. Our coverage will begin at noon. And finally, the third round of the U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach in beautiful Monterey, California, featured a 66-6 under par from Nasahata Oka to take the lead at 7 under for the tournament. Coverage begins at 2 o'clock today on NBC. The USGA brings the U.S. Women's Open to Wisconsin in 2025 at Aaron Hills. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. Wow, what a game. It is 71 degrees at WTMJ. We're going to get up to about 84 today. And coming up next, what's going to happen on Thursday through Sunday? It's not just the Harley event going on. There's more going on throughout the city. We'll tell you about it right after this on WTMJ. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Joining us is Eddie Sturkey. He is the executive director of Easttown Association. And in Easttown, you're getting ready for the big Bastille Day celebration. It's going to be its 40th anniversary this year. Yes, it is. And good to talk to you, Libby. Bastille Days is, of course, on my mind, and that's coming up fast. So 40th anniversary, like you said. And, uh, you know, last year was a really last-minute reboot year, and this year we're just rebuilding stronger than ever. So very excited about it. What are some of the things you're going to do to celebrate that 40th anniversary? Well, we're going to have our footprint back to where it was uh, in 2019. So five stages of music, everything from New Orleans-style brass bands to authentic French acoustic singers. We have Paul Seabar, Extra Crispy Brass Band headlining, a longtime favorites like Robin Pleur. Friday night, French-inspired uh, drag show with This Is It, which we introduced last year to the festival. And some personal favorites of mine, I'm a big jam and a bluegrass fan, so Undercover Organism, Steve's, and the Millbillies. I mean, we really have stuff across the board, everything for, for everybody and a lot of family fun as well. Of course, we have our can-can dancers back again this year, various street performers, henna artists, fortune tellers, and a kid's day on Saturday, and a lot of other surprises, too. Well, I know one of the things I look forward to is the food. I mean, I am a sucker for any kind of French food, and you have so many different varieties. Yeah, it's hard for me to stay away from the beignet tent, that's for oh. sure. So this year, we're going to be back to over 20 restaurants. we got Lake Park Bistro back again. They've been a really long-time uh, partner of the festival. Of course, Alliance and Francaise Beignets, which is everyone's favorite, and some other authentic French flavors too, like cream and crepe. Get ready, because that 5K is going to take place as well. Thursday, so it really kicks off the festival on opening night, but it's one of the country's only downtime nighttime 5Ks, 
and people have been storming downtown Milwaukee since 1985. It kicks off at 9 p.m. on Thursday. Usually we have 3,000 to 5,000 participants, and we ask people to register as much as possible. It not only supports to ensure it's a safe and fun time for everybody, but it really acts as like one of the biggest fundraisers for the festival overall. We're partnering with Swarm Events on it again this year, which just keeps making the run better and better. And this year we got a nice surprise. We have DJ Shauna that'll be really kicking off the race and bringing everybody back through the finish line. And of course, the Eiffel Tower. I know it's been in the state of restoring it, but when it's sitting there on Cathedral Square, I mean, you can't miss it. But you're continuing that restoration as well. It is. It's an ongoing process, but it doesn't mean we're not going to have it back this year. So very excited to announce that it will be back up. You know, we had to have our backup inflatable put in last year, which was only the second time in the 40-year history that's been used. The original Eiffel Tower itself was actually built one time to be used in a department store inside over 20 years ago. So most of it is made of wood, but over the years, it's just kind of had some cosmetic and infrastructure updates, and uh, the lighting just keeps getting better and better, and we're hoping to have our ability to bring it back every single year while keeping the long-term picture in mind and maybe even create a new one one of these years. Of course, Bastille Days, it takes place July 13th through the 16th. It's one of my favorite festivals that we have here in Milwaukee. And if anybody wants to get more information, especially if they want to participate in the 5K Storm the Bastille Run, how do they do it? Yeah, so I would go to easttown.com. That's the best place to go for our entertainment lineup, which we'll be announcing our individual stage lineup soon. But the overall entertainer lineup is posted. And, of course, just want to mention that none of this would occur without our amazing uh, sponsors, so Bud Light, Madison Medical, Educators Credit Union, Gruber, and Sazes. And this year we're actually partnering with Harley-Davidson as well to celebrate their own big anniversary year, and we'll be offering free on-site motorcycle parking Friday through Sunday. So if you're coming downtown for the Harley festivities that weekend, you know, feel free to take advantage of our parking, grab a drink and a beignet on your way to go check out Green Day and the Foo Fighters, And we're really excited to be working with them this year. It is going to be a great weekend. Eddie Sturkey from Easttown, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Libby. I'm Libby Collins, and coming up after the news, Brian and David Wickett are going to be talking about home value prices. Are they going up? Well, they're going to tell you about it. It's all ahead right here on WTMJ.